It's uh, good to be with you this morning. Uh, some of you have been asking about Mary. Some of you probably don't know. She uh, fell off our deck, and uh, she. We were. Um, it's a funny. It's a. I felt like I was in the twilight zone. So we um, went to the pond behind our house because the boys had come back from fishing, and they're like, "There are hundreds of dead fish in the pond, right?" So we're like, "Oh my goodness." So we go back to the pond behind our house, and sure enough, hundreds of dead fish. And to our deep sadness, because the boys have been fishing back there just about every day over the summer, we saw um, for sure at least a five-pound bass dead, a couple other ones that were probably four pounds, like, oh, just crushed us, right? So we're back there looking, and all of a sudden there, there's a storm that's coming in. Um, it was Wednesday or Thursday, I can't remember the day. Wednesday, so if you remember, there's like some strong, like this wind cell storm. I don't even know what it was, but it came through. And I said, hey, we need to get back home. We got the mowers out, our umbrella on our deck was open. And so we, we rushed to get back home. I was pulling the mowers in and uh, Mary went to get the umbrella on the deck which is like six feet you know above the ground and it just took her off the deck i guess i didn't see it isaiah did he came up running you know letting me know and i went down there and we were able to get her up to the couch in her living room she was able to walk up but then she started saying things like what does our pool look like i can't remember what our pool looks like what is our deck look like how did i get here and when it, you know you fell off and hit your head um and then 30 seconds later i hurt myself how did i hurt myself like it was just this so we all started freaking out like internally i was freaking out i tried not to show my freaking out but uh we ended up taking her uh to the hospital and um yeah so that she saw a regular doctor CT scan came back, no blood, you know, no, no they didn't see any, you know, bleeding, but her, uh, her doctor said she definitely had a concussion, and um, so yeah, she's supposed to have a, a whole class of kindergartners on Tuesday, can you imagine that? So I don't know how that's going to work out, um, she still feels a bit nauseous, still has a headache, um, still gets dizzy, so we'll, if you'll pray for her. Um, I think it's all a hoax. I really do. So here's why. I it was my birthday, and we I, I forgot her birthday two years in a row. I told you that, and so we spent the evening of my birthday in the emergency room. I think it was all part of her plan to get me back. She is faking it. Don't have any sympathy. Don't even pray for her. <laughs> Better hope she don't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, she won't. She's like, I'm not listening to him. Be <laughs> wasting my time. No. Yeah, no, pray for her, uh, please. Um, so, we are one in this uh, sermon series that we're in. We're looking at uh, what does it mean to be a, the body of Christ? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? So here's the big idea that I want to hopefully do an adequate job of getting across. And it's this. Church membership includes a general and a specific call. And in order to unpack this big idea, we're going to look at, we're going to try and answer three questions. The first question is this. 
What does every member have the privilege of giving to their local church? Okay. So, what, if, if you're a member of our church, what can you give to Abundant Life Christian Fellowship? Well, the first thing that you can give is your time. You can give, secondly, you can give your resources, your financial resources. And then thirdly, you can give your shape. And I'll talk about that because right now that doesn't make any sense. It will, hopefully, here in a little bit. So let's start with time. My boys, they uh, watch a YouTube channel from time to time called The Outdoor Boys. And basically, it's a guy. My boys are super into fishing right now. Like, that's what we talk about. That's what we watch on YouTube. All about catching big bass right now. And it's awesome. Like when you like when I dreamed of having boys, this is what I dreamed of. Like us, we were fishing last night on that beautiful night. Dustin, wherever he's helping downstairs, it was so beautiful. We were fishing; it was great. Um, anyways, um, let's talk about fishing. I think that's what I need to do. Um, no, all right, time. Uh, so outdoor boys. This guy takes his sons on fishing trips. It's a dad. He takes his sons on fishing trips. We watched a video of him taking his four-year-old son on a remote fishing trip, and all they could do is carry in enough water um, that they could only take in enough water that they could fit on the canoe that they were going to this place to fish. Now, you better believe this dad was ultra careful and strategic about how they used this water because they it had to there was no clean drinking water where they were going so it had to sustain them through the weekend right um needless to say like they weren't having like water gun fights with the water right um time when you think about time it is a non-renewable resource we have been given by god a limited quantity of time and it makes sense since it's this non-renewable, limited resource that we would be really strategic about how we use it. Um, if, and you know, so here, here's what the enemy likes to do. So this is what I see: the enemy, if he can't get us to be murderers, right, womanizers, whatever bad thing you can think, the enemy wins a great victory if he can simply get us to spend our time on things that really don't matter. This, I see this all the time. I, unfortunately, sometimes I see this in my own life, right? Now, intellectually, we know that our time is limited. We know that we're not going to live forever, but it's often not real to our heart. I just was called on to go visit with a friend's, a childhood friend's father who just received a, what looks like a terminal cancer diagnosis, right? So I went there, haven't seen them in years. I, I met with him and his wife, late 60s, early 70s, too young, right? And I was talking to him about death. And here's what he told me. He said, um, I've always, as I got older, I always knew that the, my, my death was coming sooner, but it always seemed further away. It always seemed, you know, out on the horizon. He's like, and now I'm staring it right in the face. And he said, if people knew just how quickly it comes, 
they would probably be more religious, is what he said. Um, now, what's interesting is what he is, in other words, he's saying, like, people, we all think that it's out there far away until it's right there in front of you. And it always, when it's right there in front of you, seems to come way more quickly than you ever thought it would. And so, and he's like, man, if we really lived with that perspective, we would be thinking about what really matters in life, what really matters in the next life, right? Really, what he was saying and not knowing it, because this, this, this person, um, you know, I think his, his understanding of Christ is limited. We had a conversation about that. But he was saying the cry of the psalmist in Psalm 9012. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, God, teach us how, give us the wisdom to live well. Help us spend our limited time on what really, really matters most. Now, according to the New Testament, here's the thing. Given your precious time to serve your local church, the bride of Christ is spending your time on one of the things that matters most. Um, what would it look like for each person in this room to be generous with your time in regards to this church? It's, it, I mean, unfortunately, this is often true in churches, and you've heard this. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. It's the way it goes. What if it was different here? What if, what if it wasn't 20% of the people doing the work and 80% of the people being spectators? What if we increase that to 40%? Be radical. What if, we, what if 60% of the people were doing most of the work? What, what if we got to 80% of the people were doing, doing the work? Oh my goodness. That'd be amazing. Right? You can give your time. How about your resources? Let's go to that. Based on statistics you find online, tither, tithers make up only 10 to 25% of a normal congregation. That's it. Of those that give, they give 2.5% of their income. If every Christian tithed 10%, it is believed that the church would have an additional $139 billion to use. I don't know how accurate these statistics are, um, but usually where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, push pay is a place where I got some of these statistics from, if you want to know. So, and what's interesting is I sometimes I'll hear uh, from people, um, well, tithing is this Old Testament thing, right? Um, but I don't think Jesus thought it was an Old Testament thing or an outdated thing, you know. And so in Luke eleven forty two, when Jesus pointed out to the Pharisees who were faithful in tithing, but they it were neglecting justice in the love of God. This is what Jesus told the Pharisees. Do the former thing, tithe without neglecting the latter justice in the love of God. Here in this verse, Jesus is assuming people would, can, they would tithe. Um, so how much should you give? That's always a great question, right? Well, the Old Testament law required 10% of your earning, your first fruits, right? 
Um, have for those of us who are under grace and not the Old Testament law, have we not been more greatly blessed? Have we not, now that we live on this side of the cross and the resurrection, aren't we more greatly blessed? So, if 10% was the, was the mark for the Old Testament law, I'm thinking 10% should be the starting point for those of us who live under grace. Right? So, I encourage you to think about, how are you doing with your financial resources? Now, there's plenty of grace here, and you can get legalistic with this sort of thing. So, I don't want you to hear that. But I'm just thinking, God, who, though we were poor, sent his son to become poor, to make us rich, when he's extended so much grace to us, we should be ultra generous to his bride, the church. Can you imagine if everybody in this room gave 10%? I mean, what if everybody in this room just gave 5%? That'd be radical. What about 6%? What if there are people that gave up far above and beyond 10%? Oh my goodness. All right. Time, financial resources to give. You also have your shape. What do I mean by shape? So shape stands for your unique mix of spiritual gifts, passions, natural abilities, personality, and life experiences. Psalm 139 speaks about how we are each fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And although we have a lot in common with the, you know, every person that's around us, nobody is exactly the same as us. And that is just remarkable to think that out of over 4 billion people that populate our world, there is not an exact copy of chain anywhere. Isn't that remarkable? Now... Um, although we are fearfully and wonderfully made, we are also, I heard one author say, woefully and tragically fallen, aren't we? And that's why we need Psalm 139 paired with Ephesians 2.10. Check this out. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When we are in Christ, we become... When we become Christ by responding to his grace, when we repent of our sin, we place our trust in him, our faith in Jesus. God, he creates us again. We become new creations. Now, does God destroy us like the old us? In some ways he does, but in some ways he doesn't because there's continuation. It's not like he obliterates the old chain and then starts from scratch and makes out of nothing a new shame. No, what he does is he obliterates the parts that are woefully and tragically fallen in shame. He renews us and restores us to his original intent. The Greek word that is translated workmanship here in Ephesians 2.10, do you know it is this word, poiemea, or poiema, poiema is how you would say it. It's where we get our English word poem from. It's a neat thing to think about. We are God's poem. Think about the attention that a poet gives to a piece of his poetry. 
The poet pours himself into it. Think about when Chase Baker does a spoken word. If you've seen him do it, it's phenomenal. And he pours himself into constructing this form of poetry. And he pays so much attention to detail. And he's using all of his creative and intellectual power to make this masterpiece. That's what God is doing in each one of us who are in Christ through repentance and faith. And the Apostle Paul assures us that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I say all this because the church needs your unique design. It needs who God is transforming you into, the real you, the you you were always meant to be. You are, God is doing this so that you can do the good works which he created you to do. And part of that is in engagement in the local church. Second question. So that was the first question. What do we have to give to the local church as a member of it? Here's the second question. This is going to go quick. And then the third question will be uh, not as long as the first, but it'll be a little bit longer than the second. So here's the second question. What does every member of the local church get the privilege of contributing to? So if we have time, if we have financial resources to give, if we have our shape to give, what exactly does that look like in the church? It means you are giving those things to the purposes of the church. Well, why does the church exist? Well, last week we said it exists to worship God. It exists to edify believers. It exists to reach, the, you know, the local church exists to reach their community for Christ. And so that's what you leverage your resources for, these three purposes. And so I might go to the Lord and I might say to him, Lord, I know that worship pleases you and that's the foundation of the Christian life. How can I leverage my time, my resources, and my shape to encourage my fellow church members, right, to worship you more fully when we come together corporately and to worship you in their daily lives? How do you want me to do that, Lord? In terms of edification, we might say to the Lord, I know you created us for Christian community. It's not good for man to be alone. I know this. And so, Lord, because we need each other, how do you want to leverage my time, my resources, my shape, just to ensure that my fellow brothers and sisters in my church are growing up in Christ? Who needs a pick-me-up? Who's down? Who needs somebody to come alongside of them and disciple them because they're new in their faith and they don't know what it means to follow Jesus yet. And we can't just expect them that if they're babies in Christ that they're going to somehow know how to grow up themselves. Who are you calling me to, Lord? In terms of reaching our community for Christ, you might say to the Lord, every day in our community I encounter people with, without hope because they are without you. Lord, how do you want me how do you want to use me to introduce people to you and your gospel? How also can I play a collective role in reaching out to a community? I have to be honest, every time we do city serve, I am disappointed by the lack of engagement from our people. So where's everybody at? It's not the only way to reach our community for Christ. But it's one way we're corporately doing it together, right? Third question. What is the unique contribution every member of the local church has the privilege of making? 
So this is more of the specific call. We're talking about the general call that we all have gifts and money and, and a shape to give to the church. That's the general call. What's the specific call of every, for every church member? And here is the answer. Um, the, the, the specific unique aspect of it is that every church member gives those three things, but how you do it will be unique. And that's the kind of specific thing, the unique thing that each of us is going to be different than the next person on. So let's just go back through these again. Uh, how about time? Season of life dictates often how much time you can give, right, to your local church. And the extent to which you can contribute to the three purposes of the church. If you're a young family with five, five kids, your capacity is going to be more limited than the single person. If you're a middle-aged uh, father working 50 hours a week to provide your, for your family, your bandwidth is going to be more limited than the retired person, probably, right? Season of life dic dic dictates what you, can, what you can give a lot of the times. Uh, here's the thing, though. No matter what season of life you're in, I believe God wants you to be engaged in a local church working towards those three purposes of the church. I feel like I hear a lot of people that say, I've heard this a lot over the years, that once I'm done with this season of life, then I'll get connected. And then the next season of life is just as busy as the previous, and they never get connected. Right? Um, how about resources? How, so time, how much time you can give is going to be unique to you because of life circumstances and seasons of life. How about resources? Um, I don't think you have to spend a lot of time here because I think it's pretty uh, understandable that if we have a wealthy person that's giving 10%, um, that's going to be a lot more than uh, somebody else in the church who isn't as wealthy that's given 10%. But here's the thing. We can still give our, the same portion. All right, so how about, um, and here's the biggest thing with finances. This is what I see with finances, is people don't have any margin in their finances to give. It's kind of like with time. And so some people's problems, even wealthy people can't give because they are spending as much as they're bringing in. And the problem isn't the money they make, because even if they made more money, guess what would happen to their spending? Their spending would increase um, to what their income is. And so there's no margin. Do you have margin with your time to give of it? Do you have margin with your finances to give of it? Or are you living at the maximum level um, and there is no margin? All right, shape. So there's a fallacy in our American culture. You know what the fallacy is? I can do whatever you know I set my mind to or whatever I dream I can be. That's a lie. It's such a lie. You know why this is a lie? Because, uh, so, I mean, I would have loved to have been a professional basketball player, but I am not athletic enough to do that. I am not free to be a professional basketball player. I would, uh, you know, if I wanted to be a professional baker, right, uh, maybe I could do it, maybe I could learn the skills, but I'm not passionate about baking enough to make a living by it. I'm not free to be a baker. 
The reality is, the truth is, you are free to be who God designed you to be. That's who you're free to be. Um, there are plenty of people that get into a line of work simply because of the money they're going to make, and they end up hating it. Why? Because they're not free to do that. God didn't design them to do that role. And so if you're chasing out after money or power or status or whatever it is, then it's not going to work out. The same thing is in the church, right? So we need to look at our unique shape. We need to look at what are our spiritual gifts? What are our passions? What are our natural abilities? What are, what's our personality? What's our life experiences? That's going to help me determine what I do for work in the world, but it'll also help me determine what I do here in the church. Right? And so I encourage you to go through your shape. You got to know yourself to lead yourself well. And guess what? The only way you can really know yourself is to see yourself through God's eyes because he created you and he knows you better than you know yourself. So I encourage you to go through the shape process with God and also with people who love you because we have blind spots. Often we are blind to our strengths and boy, are we blind often to our weaknesses, right? So let's, let's take this as an example. Let's say, all right, um, I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to go to a friend, and I'm going to pray about and think about the S in shape. And so I'm going to ask, what spiritual gifts has God given me in Christ? And maybe you don't even know what spiritual gifts are. And maybe you need to learn about spiritual gifts, right? But you can do that. Information is not the problem. There are plenty of things on spiritual gifts. So if you want to know what your spiritual gifts are, if you really want to know, you'll find out. There are other people here in the church that can help you with that. How about the H of shape, which stands for your heart, which means what are you passionate about? So you go to God and you go to your friends and you ask, Lord, friends, what am I passionate about? What really gets me excited? What do I really enjoy? What do I daydream about? What's wrong in the world that wrecks my heart? What hurts do I want to see healed in the world? How can I leverage God these passions for the church? You go to the A, abilities. You consider with God and your, your friends. God, what have you naturally just given me the ability to do? Like it just was part of my DNA, part of my genetic code that you wired into me from the beginning. Maybe it's working with your hands. Maybe it's problem solving. Maybe it's caring for people. Maybe it's math. Maybe it's leading. Maybe it's building friendships. Maybe it's cooking. And Lord, how can I use these natural abilities for the church? P. So we go to personality. Lord, and friends, what is my personality? Am I more future-oriented or present-oriented? Am I a dreamer or am I more of a how things can actually happen? Am I more extroverted or introverted? Am I more, do I rely more on my feelings to make decisions or more on rational, logical thoughts? Am I people-oriented or task-oriented? What's my personality, Lord? How can I leverage that for your glory in the church? E, life experiences. God, friends, what key life experiences, what positive and negative experiences um, have you allowed me to go through, God, that I can actually use to bless other people in and outside of the church? 
who have been the villains in my life, who have been the heroes in my life, what have been my greatest joys, what have been my greatest sorrows. And you put this all together, and then increasingly, hopefully, your role that you are to play in the church should become more clear. You actually know, am I a foot or a hand in the body? <laughs> right? What am I? Um, let me give you a few fictional examples to wrap up. Meet John. John is a successful businessman who has the spiritual gift of giving. He is passionate about corporate worship. He loves to see it done with undistracting excellence. John is an introvert who loves to be in the background. He is also a, re a researcher. He has decided to make sure the, ch the church has the technology to make the corporate worship times go off without a hitch. Meet Sally. She's an elderly widow who has the spiritual gift of intercessory prayer. She also has a passion to see marriages in her church thrive, and so she consistently prays for each marriage in the church, although she can't really leave her house. Meet Jake. He's in his early 20s. He has great people skills and has the spiritual gift of hospitality. He has a passion to see first-time guests become second-time guests, and second-time guests become regular guests, and regular guests become members. And so he serves on the hospitality team at his church and he's a greeter for that team and he also makes follow-up phone calls to the people that come to his church for the first time and then there's joe he's a brand new christian he has no idea what his spiritual gifts are but he knows that he's passionate about landscaping and so he uses his time and his talents and his resources to make sure that the church property is well maintained and manicured because he knows that it's important for guests to feel comfortable that they're coming into a clean uh, safe place and he knows that if there are weeds all over the place which i saw weeds coming in here to church what does that communicate to guests that come to our church do they really care about this place does it matter to them Who's going to weed around the church? Anybody can do that, just about. There should never be a weed around our church. It should be taken care of. We can all see it when we're coming in, right? How about Bob and June? Bob has the spiritual gift of teaching, and June has the spiritual gift of mercy. Both are passionate about being being, uh, seeing people being discipled. And so they meet with a young couple every other week in their home and invest in them spiritually. Woo! Hey, we're going to go to two services starting September 5th. And you know why we're doing it? It's because we want to reach our community for Christ. And which means... The Part of reaching our community for Christ is you guys are going to be inviting people to come here on Sunday mornings. Because we believe when people come and participate in God's body, worshiping Him, the Holy Spirit reveals Himself to people, and people are moved. And as they hear that Jesus loves them and died for them, even when they are in opposition to God, and that they can have a new life, when they turn to Jesus in repentance and faith, 
life transformation comes. And if we want to reach our city for Christ, we need to, we need to go to two services because you, all of you are going to be inviting people. And guess what? In order to do this, we're going to need everybody to help us. We need more volunteers. <laughs> Lori is constantly into this problem where we don't have enough people for our kids downstairs. Church, this should never happen. This should never be a problem. Right? There's enough people in this room. It should never be a problem. And so I want you to pray about how does God want to use you for this church in the next year to come as we seek to worship him, edify one another, and reach our city for Jesus. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you so much that you are so good to us. Your grace is so wonderful and amazing. Lord, you have decided to work through your body, your bride, the church, to bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So your will will be done in people's lives. So that your rule and reign spreads. But often we as a church are, are falling so short. We're disengaged. We're not leveraging our resources for your bride. We're distracted with the cares of the world and not seeking your kingdom first. Thank you for your grace in all of this. Thank you for your forgiveness in all of this. Lord, I pray that those things wouldn't be true of abundant life. That we would all rally together that we would all move as one. As Dustin prayed that the schisms or any divisions that exist here that the enemy loves to have would be obliterated and destroyed. That we believe the best about one another, give each other the benefit of the doubt, seek to edify and love one another. That we would forgive one another that people would be able to look at our love for one another and know that we're your people, that we're different, we're unique, we're set apart, that we're a community that's not like the communities that are in the world that are full of strife and division. Lord, we want to see disciples made here in Maslin and in the Tussle community. And it will take all of us making this top priority help us to do it we know that your Holy Spirit is sufficient to fuel us empower us to be courageous for you to be sacrificial and generous for you and for people who are drowning in despair and hopelessness and grief it's in Jesus name we pray amen, amen.